Hey there, you're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin, I'm the guy behind Niagara Moon, but if you are returning back here, Moondog, you probably already knew that, um, but if you're new to the podcast, this is something I do for the fans primarily, but uh, we enjoy talking about different albums from different artists we admire, or at least we usually admire. This week is pretty cool. Uh, not only is it myself and regular cohort Dan Barracuda, who's another amazing songwriter, but also his musical partner, Ian. Together they are Ian and Dan. They have a lot of stuff going on. We're talking about a band that is pretty meaningful to Ian, Fleet Foxes. Uh, and I've, I've liked this album for years. This is by far and away my favorite by them. It was a lot of fun to dig into, and I think I just want to get right to it. Enjoy. Fun guys, yeah, we're we're finally all together here for another uh, installment of the Niagara Moon podcast, and I think today's a pretty special day because not only do I have Dan Barracuda with me as usual, but I got Dan's roommate and musical partner, his partner in crime down there in Brooklyn, uh, Ian. Ian is joining us today. How you doing, Ian? Thomas, I'm great. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing I'm, great. We're right next to each other. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the people out there don't know that. Well, you know, I'm really excited to be here. You know, I hear Dan talking and laughing and cackling every Saturday morning. Yeah. So, you know, uh, my jealousy is being uh, subdued now, and I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. Wow. So are you always, like, on the other side of the room when Dan's uh, talking with me about albums? I'm a peeping Tom. Okay. Yeah, we have this little, like, foam section. And, like, we have a gap in our staircase that we put up, we put some foam to just kind of limit the amount of sound. But there are cracks in the in the ceiling, so to speak. And I'm always just, you know, spying and silently crying as I listen to you guys have so much fun every Saturday morning. <laughs> Dan, how could you torture him like that? Hey, I knew it was coming soon. <laughs> no, no. Jokes aside, I'm super excited. Uh, I love listening to your podcast, and I'm I'm very honored to be a part of it today. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm psyched to to finally meet the man behind the uh, the name I keep hearing brought up so much. Yeah, um, and we got a great one today too. Great topic. Yeah, we got a great album to talk about. Um, I wanted to first just ask a little more about what you guys do together because it seems like you're really joined at the hip with with all the yep. uh, different musical projects you got going on. Yeah, you can say that again. People have been telling us that for 15 years. Yeah, we've um, been friends for 15 years now. High school. I actually whoa. I knew Ian's dad before him. I because his dad was the art teacher, and I knew Dan's brother before I knew him. Yeah, because his brother's a little more extroverted, and uh, yep. he played <laughs> trombone in the. Uh, Pit orchestra for the high school musical we were doing Pirates of Penzance. We met sophomore year of high school. Yep. In the spring. Wow. So so yeah, you know, um, but what we do uh now what we do is uh we, we write songs together, we record and produce um our own music here in our basement studio in Brooklyn. Um we also produce uh singer songwriters. Uh I actually moved out to New York three years ago to pursue uh, a career in acting, and so I came out and was part of a uh, a conservatory program at the Maggie Flanagan Studio in Chelsea. Another thing we've been doing more recently is actually scoring films, short films, mm-hmm. um, 
and Dan. Awesome. Yeah, that's been a really ex- exciting new uh, creative uh, avenue for us. And um, we've already worked on two projects. We have a third one coming up this spring um, that we know of. Um, so we've been doing that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, we've yeah. been live streaming with our. So we have a duo, which is called Ian and Dan, and we play like Ian and play Dan. all the corporate events. Super original. And, um, not all the corporate events. We wish we played more. All of them. <laughs> we played all the corporate events. Microsoft, <laughs> Amazon. We got all the <laughs> big tech all companies the covered. <laughs> we did. We started doing a lot of kids parties, a lot because we worked at the same place in uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts, Aww. and then um, yeah, we started doing like weddings and private events and stuff like that. But so. where the kids are, the parents are, and yep. if. Parents are hiring people to play music for their one-year-old's birthday. They probably got money to to spare. So that's kind of how we started our duo business. It's a good a good approach. Now, Dan, do you have some acting chops yourself? Are yeah. You oh very, yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Performative fellow. <laughs> Not officially, but I, I can. Oh man, I can act all right. Dan has a whole uh, portfolio. So um, you I know, do? especially now because of the pandemic, all auditioning has become self-taping. Where you, you oh, yeah. create you create an audition tape in your home, or you know some people went to businesses and did it, and then you send it in. Um, so you know with all the auditions I've had um, ever since the lockdown, you know Dan Dan's voice. Is I'm in, in all his self tapes. <laughs> any male male <laughs> scene that I've had to audition for, it's Dan. So we've had some crazy self tapes. Like one, like we were like in World War II, and like he was like in the trenches. And get down, I'm like, yep, dude, exactly. dude. What do you mean? He's like, Ian's like crying. I'm like, dude, like it's gonna be okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we got one when like Ian's like a Russian like mafia guy, and I'm like, how much, man? He's like 100 grand. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> I actually, and I actually booked that job, so. Yeah, you got it. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like you guys have been getting up to all sorts of goofy hijinks yeah, over this uh, the past 10 months here. Yep. Yep. You know it. <laughs> so now we're live streaming every single Wednesday. I mean, we did it for 50 days straight when the, when Corona happened um, in the March and April and into May. But um, that was fun. Good, great experience, you know, and now we do it every Wednesday starting this year. Like a Wednesday happy hour, 6 to 7. It's a lot of fun. It's a good. It's a good. nice. You do a lot of classic covers. Yeah, but it's cool because it's so like it's so relaxed, and we're right in front of our computers. So like, if someone's like, "Do this song," we're like, "Wow!" Like we've actually never played it. We could we just like read the lyrics. You know, it's just like it's fun. It's very laid oh. back. Yeah, we just play. Just along learn it the on the spot, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you can't really do that in That's a live cool. situation because you know you have people screaming at you you don't have necessarily internet access and like the time you can't focus yeah there's a little more pressure when you're live to when someone's like you know like oh play this song do you know this song it's like oh you know that they see you be like uh we can look it up and we generally well (laughs) we can't really fight we can't really flight therefore all we can do is freeze and and just ignore (laughs) (laughs) but streaming but but it's engaging it's it's great all right. Well, I'd love to hear more about that later on. For now, let's let's dig into Fleet Foxes. Yes. Yes, We're talking please. Helplessness Blues. Who? So who's the big Fleet Foxes head here? Ian. Uh, yeah, I'd say I am a bigger Fleet Foxes head than Dan. Yeah. I am certainly not the biggest, but um, they've been a band that actually more so in New York have really come to meant something very special and personal and like deep with me. So, you might say I'm the bigger head. <laughs> nice. I, uh, I, I got the recommendation for Fleet Foxes, and I'm like, I don't know the band that well, 
But I remember Helplessness Blues being a banger. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of songs on that. And that, uh, that the vibe of that album, I remember really kind of resonating with me. So I was, I was like, yes, if we're, if we're going to get a chance to talk about that, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, Dan, Dan, had you ever really messed around Fleet Foxes much before this week? The first time I ever heard them was, uh, what is it? The, the I was following oh, the, the I win, was following. Winter Hymnal. White, White Winter Hymnal. Yeah, we, yeah. we cover that song now. But we got, actually, I want to do more because their harmonies are just so great. The harmonies. Um, so that was like the first song. And then Ian got into Blue Ridge Mountains. Do you know that song off the first EP? It's actually the first full-length album. Nah, I only know Helplessness Blues, really. And that okay. hymnal song. So this is a beautiful song called Blue Ridge Mountains. And then Ian showed me that one. He'd play that one. Uh, and then I was like, wow, these guys are really good. And then, um, yeah, I don't know them that well. But we did get to see them live at Boston College. Like three, like two years back, yeah, and dude. it like two years ago, I think, and yeah. it was like crazy. We were front row, well, front row, and uh, it was wild. We, we were like second, we were like second row, and it was raining, and it was like really, really special. And then I saw Eminem right what, after. Uh, what are they doing on the same bill? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a festival, so like it was like it was on the whole other end yeah. of the of the. You kids with your festivals, I've never been to one. I'm not sure I'll I'll ever go. They sound wild. <laughs> well, not now, especially yeah. after after COVID. I don't. I mean, I've seen pictures of uh, of in like Europe them doing like the socially distanced one where everyone's got like a little yeah. like raised platform. They'll make about, a like, comeback. I don't know, man. Th- th- this Boston Calling is very different. Yeah. This there's like two different kinds of festivals. There's one where you stay there and you're there all day and you sleep there, and there's one where it's kind of like a city festival where like you know you go back home and then. You know, like Oshiaga or like Boston Calling, or I'm sure the New York one, the, the government. Yeah, I, uh, I don't yeah. think I could deal with that city traffic. <laughs> but if I had a chauffeur, I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we got to see them live, and that's when I was like, this guy is like, I mean, it's like, you know, I got the same feeling when I saw Radiohead. I've seen Radiohead three times live, and every time I see Radiohead, I'm like, it, it kind of feels like a recital. It's like showcasing yeah. his voice. Like he's really just singing. All the time, Tom York, and I kind of got that about Fleet Foxes. It was like watching this guy. Obviously, there's other awesome instruments. The vocals but like, are this really important. Voice, like, yeah. he's like front and center, key part of their sound. Robin Pecknold, right? Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah, I uh, I really like helplessness, helplessness blues. I don't know why I like it so much more than other Fleet Foxes I've been exposed to. I, I always think of the band as very gifted and pleasant. For me, they can sometimes venture towards just a little bit feeling like background music, like not something I'd really like invest my full attention in. But mm-hmm. um, this album, man, this is like a walk through a beautiful forest, like a really an, an all day hike with a lot of uh, a lot of highlights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. How did you get introduced to them? I mean, they you would just hear about them if you ever read any music blogs or whatever back in the day, as I, I did a bit as a teenager. You know, their their first album really blew up, and they were they were kind of a buzzword. But yeah, uh, so I worked at a cafe in Japan. Uh, one, once a week, I go in there and host uh, an English night, and we do uh, as a way of kind of like teaching people, but in like a comfortable informal setting. You know, people are get off of work and just want to like get a beer and, and sit on the couch for a while. But we'd, we'd have uh, 
conversations in English for a couple hours and play games and stuff. But somebody put this album on more than once wow, in the background cool. uh, at the cafe. And I was like, oh, is this Fleet Foxes? Oh, this song sounds like Bob Dylan's fourth time around. I like that. Ooh, <laughs> like Battery Kinsey is, is an awesome tune. Like I just... I, I heard enough snippets to be like, I, I'm going to go investigate this for myself. And yeah, just, uh, what's the second track? Totally. Bedouin. Is that how you print? Bedouin Dress. Bedouin oh my God. Dress. That Bedouin song. Dress, man. I love that song. Oh, it's so good. Their song names are so interesting. It's trippy. There's, I feel like there's a lot of, I, I can't quite pin down their message or the meaning of their lyrics very easily, but it's a very intriguing. It feels like the world of like, the old wild west almost or something or just uh i, I imagine like mm. yeah pacific northwest you know these these guys come from kirkland or whatever i just i imagine just uh, untamed wilderness a little bit yeah and they really embody that the beauty like you were saying and almost like the mysticism of that untamed wilderness i feel like their music i don't know for me it's like i loved your um analogy of like just like taking a beautiful long hike with incredible highlights. It's kind of like, for me, like a, a beautiful marriage of that untamed wilderness with, uh, honestly, for me, it's almost like going to church, especially because, like, their mm. vocals and their harmonies are very, like, magical. Uh, the choir. Not, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, in high school and whatnot, I, I was in a magical choir and everything, and, and uh, I did some honor choirs where we did magical songs. And so, like, I'm very, I have, like, a, an affinity for that sound. And so I think that's a big part of what drew me to them. Um, you know, as you know, Dan and myself are huge Beatle fans and uh, being a chorus kid myself, you know, harmonies, I didn't really realize how important huge. harmonies are to me. Yeah, Huge. And so, you know, for a long time, it was just like, there's no music using that in a, in a, in a, in like a forefront way, it's usually like it's kind of there in the mix, you know, or it's very subtle, which is always very tasteful. But um, I, I, you know, for me, these guys being so forward about their vocal harmonies and not just being like thirds, but they're, you know, it's counterpoint, really. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, I love that sound. But yeah, it is kind of like going to church for me. I'm I mean, especially from this era, like mid-2000s, late-2000s, when they really uh, came to prominence... Yeah, it's like how many other groups, their their peers at the time were really, you know, going Beach Boys level with. I, I can only think of Animal Collective, and like maybe Vampire Weekend right. a little right. bit, right. but they they certainly mm -hmm. kind kind of carved out that space big time. Absolutely, they kind of came at a good at a big time, like the right time, because in college everyone was wearing like flannel mm -hmm. and lumberjack kind of look, and I feel like Fleet Foxes became a kind of a big like hipster band. Didn't they? I would say so. I mean, I, I didn't find out about them until when we were in college. Um, it was actually Jamie O'Neill who introduced them to me when I was living oh. out in Leverett oh. on Juggler Meadow Road because we were, Dan and I were part of this like one show, we, a bunch of our friends out in Amherst. Uh, I was living in Leverett at the time. Uh, we just threw like a band together for like this one. Charity, uh, show, charity show and um 
what the guitar player, uh, second guitar player, wa- taught me this song, and he really wanted to play it. We actually never ended up playing it at the show, but he really wanted to, so he taught it. Well, he taught it to me and learned it. Uh, we learned it together, and that was my introduction to them. And again, the harmonies were just like, wow, like, yeah. did this, is all their music like this? He was like, oh, dude, you got to check them <laughs> out. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely co- that college era, I mean, they definitely spoke to me during that time. I imagine a lot of Fleet Foxes fans uh, as living in Leverett. Not that anybody listening maybe knows what Leverett yeah. is, but it's just, it's a very tiny yes. town, tiny town center. It's it's hills. It's just woods. Uh, you yep. might as well be in rural Vermont. Like that is, uh, yeah. We didn't have any internet. <laughs> yeah, no internet. Dirt and, roads. Yep. Wow, you guys didn't have internet? No, man. Actually, right when I was moving out, we had just gotten like a, a packet of papers from the town. The town was voting whether oh or not God. they wanted to bring in we- whether they wanted to bring in like Verizon or AT and T or like a big internet provider, or towns can actually buy and run their own. So it's much better when they run their own. Yeah, and so you know we voted for that, but by the time you know, if I don't even know if if they what happened because i moved out yeah, by then. yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah i had no internet for like six months when i lived in that house multiple choice verizon at&t my own yeah. <laughs> or none of the above <laughs> and the talent honestly is probably gonna go none of the above i don't know like <laughs> foxes leverett <laughs> with no internet <laughs> with no internet yeah fleet foxes is so like sans internet yeah <laughs> let's let's dive deep though this uh, this album in particular, I feel like the band had to deal with a lot of uh, issues. Like there there was some turmoil around this one. Uh, like it came, oh, yeah. he wanted Robin wanted it to come out like right after the first one in two thousand nine, but there were all these delays. Uh, and then like after this, they were uh, they, they took a hiatus. For years, like he decided yeah. to go back to school. Six years. Uh, I think I think I saw somewhere else he had to break up with his girlfriend over making this album. Like it just took too much of him away, and and then there was also the uh, the issue with uh, Father John Misty, Josh, Josh Tillman, Tillman being Tillman. a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why was he a dick? Just because he wanted to do his own stuff, or was he? Actually- well, uh, he was getting into drugs, according to Robin. He he yeah. was uh, yeah. lo- lots of substance abuse on the road. And he was there on their tour just purely out of obligation and didn't want to be there and did want to be doing Father John Misty at this point. It was probably just a petulant uh, ass at that point, yeah. as far as I can make out. Um, and just like taking more credit or more of the, the spoils than he might have been uh, due. But yeah, it just sounds like uh, not, nothing was easy about this. They, they uh, rented a house outside Seattle and... The, the sessions didn't uh, give anything fruitful, and that cost him sixty thousand dollars of their own money. Yeah, and this, and he's still like he's in his you know early to mid twenties, and I'm sure he was, he still uh, was felt like he was blind in the headlights of uh, of the success and all this attention and where to go. You know, I, I I could be projecting, but I feel like that gives the album another kind of edge. Is his tensions must have been running high. Yeah. The whole girlfriend thing was funny because it's like his girlfriend instead of instead his girlfriend like left him because of the pressures of the album and then after the album was released she heard it and like realized that it was worth all the stress and then it's like the couple are not together anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, she's like, he makes amazing music and is on the road all the time. I, I, you know, everybody's young and figuring yeah. stuff out. I'm sure she's just like, I shouldn't date a musician. Right. right. I don't know anything about Robin. Like, I don't know. I've never seen an interview of him. I don't know how soft-spoken he is. Like, does he hate? The, didn't Ian? You said he like hates the limelight, right? He he doesn't like. He's like Kurt Cobain. He doesn't like that he's famous or something. Or yeah, I think I, I know that he's. I mean, in any like interviews that I've seen him, um, he he's not someone who likes to speak very personally in interviews. Um, he like will use humor uh, to like avoid you know deep personal questions or whatnot um and even I, I don't know i just like especially uh now with with instagram and everything you know in the the last two albums how they really use social media as their marketing platform uh and just like yeah. watching him and how he uh how he promotes you know it's it's like rarely ever images of him it's always like kind of like weird almost like inside joke uh, snippets and like clues so you know he's very into that like mysteriousness and I also just feel like th from his lyrics you know that he's he's a very yeah. in introspective. introspective person and and it's through his music that he really expresses himself and otherwise he's like not he's not really down <laughs> to to like be in the limelight I mean even seeing him live you know like he was so humble like he was blown away that there were people standing in the rain, not leaving, cheering and like loving his and their performance. And it, it, it was, you know, know, he was, I don't know, from my perspective, it looked like he was pretty surprised and moved. And like, I just feel like, I don't know, it's just like being a musician, being a performer, like, you know, when you're good, you know, when you're killing it, like you, whether you show it or not. You'd be surprised, though. From what sto other stories I've heard, but it certainly can appear yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did did he not go to college before Flea Foxes? Like, did he? Did he, he didn't go to like? What did he do after high school? Did he just go straight to music? Uh, he yeah. did the band. I mean, he was he was young when when the first album came out. Wow. And so, do you guys know what he got his degree in? Uh, I actually don't. Marine biology. Are you no. serious? <laughs> Architecture. Is that right? Importing, exporting. I don't know. I heard. I heard, I mean, he did actually go back to college, but I I heard that the whole college thing at first was just like his way of being, just like a safe way to to retract because of all the issues uh, and and the anxiety that yeah. he was experiencing. Because I know that like um, he you know, at one point he was just like, I don't hang out with anybody. I hang out with my band members because I love them, but like I don't hang out with anyone. And, and, you know, it was during all of this, excuse me, turmoil that was going mm. on. So, like, I, he did actually go to college, but I think originally it was more I need to, like... Occupy myself. I need, Yeah, I need to work on myself. I need to, like, I can't be around people and that's a... Whatever, you know, that's a problem. Or he just... He was really going through a super anxious uh, time of his life. And then I think that mm. he did want to go to school, but and he, obviously he did. Um, I'm trying to look up what, where, what he went to school for. I can't find it anywhere, though. He's such a private poison. Yeah. Well, I like uh, the actress who played Hermione, Emma Watson. Yeah. yeah. And who's played many roles since, obviously. But she, she went to Brown. Yeah. Could be a similar thing of like, 
<laughs> let's put on the brakes. I want a normal life, normalcy and routine that I have not gotten to enjoy for a very right. long time. And that could offer that. Yeah. So what, what songs do you guys like from this album in particular? Cause I, I definitely have my, my I think favorites. my favorite is the shrine. Holy cow. That song, man. Like the first half mainly. Cause I know it's like two songs before it goes into free jazz. Yeah. I, I love the whole like first like four minutes of it. It's I just love I love hearing because I, I know his voice because I've I've heard his voice so many times you know and and like other songs and then this album stuff but he he, the, he just accesses this part of his voice that's just so killer you know what I mean like he he like screams up high and it just like sounds awesome and it's quick and then it's followed by all these like major seven chords and it's so beautiful I would say the shrine but I also love like helping us helping us blues and um. Bedouin dress, Montezuma yeah. is so easy to like. A lot of it's like really easy to like. It's really good. I also like Blue Spotted Tail, the stripped down song a lot. It's really he sounds awesome. Oh yeah, the the quicker one. Yeah. Um uh for me, uh so I'm I don't know if Dan's told you, I'm a super duper lyric heavy listener and fan. So you must be rewarded more than uh, me or Dan, maybe. This, <laughs> I was just gonna. This almost feels impenetrable to me unless I really sit and yeah. read and focus. But it, it's there's a lot of nuggets There's in here, right? If you so, really pay attention so to the lyrics, so many nuggets. And um, this song, you know, the first uh, full length album, just self titled Fleet Foxes, was my first introduction to the band, and I like love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, this album. I don't I like more songs on the first one than I do on this one. However, this mm. like Montezuma, Bedouin Dress, Sim Salabim, yep. uh Helplessness Blues especially, those songs literally move me almost every time I listen to them. And it's the words, mm. man, the what he's writing about and like he's really confronting mortality and um and he's like it's it's all about self-reflection you know like the i mean the opening line of of the album montezuma now that i am um older than my mother and father when they had their daughter and his sister is old she's the oldest right so like now what does that say about me it's just like what what a yeah what you open your album like that like Coming Dude, in hot. yeah, we're going Coming deep. Coming in hot. We're going deep tonight, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Robin Pecknold. Uh, enjoy enjoy seat, the everybody. next hour and a half. Make we're some gonna... popcorn. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like he's he's really... And remember, no internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just really exposing himself in ways that, um, you know, I personally never really thought about my life. And I think that's what I love most about this album is that, um, especially because, like I said earlier, that I really came onto this album deeply when I moved to New York. And it was my first time, besides, you know, living out in Amherst and Leverett. But even then, I was, like, there to be close to Dan, right, so that we could continue to make music and everything. But moving to New York was the first time Uh, in my life at 27 to really move somewhere where I didn't have any family or friends from my childhood. And so like, you know, it was, it just, this album came to me and these lyrics really uh, opened themselves to me at that time in my life where I was really being like, what is my purpose in life? You know? And, and like just that whole quarter life, not crisis, but just, you know, uh, existential reckoning, you know, that, that uh, that I feel like he's really g- 
going through when he when he wrote this and recorded this album. So you know, for me, this album is it's it's the, it moves me the deepest out of uh, all of the Fleet Fox albums that I've listened to. Do you think the questions he's raising in a song like that is that just emblematic for people of that age? Like uh, you know, when you're you're kind of going out on into the world more on your own. And it could be like in any generation, just somebody who's in that place. Or do you think it's also tying in specifically with our generation or, or his generation? Do you think it's it's timely like that? It's it's talking about contemporary stuff or do you think it's just more generally about the journey of life? I think it's a little bit more generally about the journey of life. Um, and if we're going to go a little deeper into this song... Um, you looking at the uh, the other two verses. I feel like it's mm-hmm. kind of like uh, this is his um, response to Ozymandias, um, one of Dan's favorite poems. But um, you know, going further, in dearth or in excess, both the slave and the empress will return to the dirt. I guess naked as when they came. I wonder if I'll see any faces above me or just cracks in the ceiling. Nobody else to blame. I think I, you know, that, and then there's the third one. But you know, I, I really think he's talking about yeah. the journey of life. Like this, whoever's listening to this right now, you could be, you know, dirt poor, living on the streets, and you hear this song, it'll speak to you. You could be the queen of England, literally, and uh, be listening to this song, and this will speak to you. You know, death comes for us all, hmm. and we are all come from and are returned to the same no matter where life takes us and what status we may uh achieve or lose you know it doesn't matter you know it's all the same beginning and the same end and so i really think that he's he's speaking to like not just us millennials although it definitely speaks to us us, especially in this modern day and age where we're so much more aware of the universal uh I don't know truths about life and society and we're just you know we're so much more educated and globally educated and so of course you know it speaks to us but i think you know if you are a baby boomer or even you know one of the silent generation and you happen to be listening to this song and you really listen to the words this will this will speak to you too it's still got mm-hmm. something it's universal Man, the lyrics are sick I'm, I'm ian's got them open i'm like reading them <laughs> how awesome that it goes from that to then Bedouin dress. I know. <laughs> that violin. Oh, God. It's so cool. That violin part is really, really cool. Because it, it, it lightens up a little bit, does it not? Oh, yeah. It's, it doesn't, you know, it's ready to say, hey, we're not going to get bogged down with too much, like, dour introspection and, and angst here. Like, you know, there, it, it, go, it feels a little more mystical, a little more lively even by that point. Yeah. As much of an as a dick apparently as he was, and as much as like as I hate his solo music, I really do. Who and Robin? I, no, no, not Robin. Um, Josh, Josh Tillman. Oh god, uh, Father. He's all right. So we got a, a non Father John Misty fan. Yes. Here. Um. And, uh, you hate Father John Misty? It's weird hearing his voice on this album, though. It's a I don't trip. hear it. I don't know it well enough oh, to pick I hear it, it out. In the harmonies. Um. Oh. But I. I don't know. I, I, his drumming on this album is like his oh, hit yeah. is so magical, and like that's one of my favorite things about this song, Bedouin Dress, is like just like 
It's got a groove. Uh, gr- not only groove, but he he's so good at using. I don't, I don't know the the uh, correct you know technical term for like the the shimmering like pegs on like a ride cymbal. Yeah. The sh- yeah, gives yeah. The, you know what I mean. But he uses that throughout this album so yeah. beautifully, and that song in particular, it's just like uh, it just creates this incredible, beautiful uh, environment. You know. I think these songs, a lot of them having more, and to my ears, like a real percussive backbone and, and like a uh, kind of an ownership of rhythm, that is what really helps us for me. Like you match the, the ethereal harmonies with, you know, a little bit of something interesting going on with the drums, and that's just a very, very satisfying combo for me. So reverbic. Reflux is so reverbic. And the drums is so thunderous sound great and the vocals are like flooded with the reverb that's one thing i noticed when i saw them live the second he started singing i was like ah he's got like a particular effect he likes on his voice that really does a lot it's like almost telephony but it's like perfect for his voice and it's got that reverb and it's just a big part of their sound oh i just looked up what is innisfree it's a it's a it's it's a lake is uninhabited island within Lothgill in ireland Oh, that he's singing about yeah. in Bedouin dress. One Bedouin day dress. Yeah. Dentistry, one day that's mine. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's like this uh, remote island in the middle of a lake in Ireland. There you go. It looks beautiful. That's for sure. But yeah, man. The, the, really, two songs in. Like it's it's already like you said a banger. <laughs> like it really is. Um, Sim Salabim is where I start getting a little confused. It's still like I like it, but I'm like I, I can't follow what's what he's trying to say here, <laughs> as much. He was so kind, such a gentleman, tied to the ocean side, lighting a match on his suitcase's latch in the fading night. Ruffled the fur of the collie neath the table, ran out the door through the dark, carved out his initials. Sounds in the like park. a nineteenth-century poem. Shook. I know, it right? Does. That's the thing, man. Like, who is Robin Peckinall? Like, who is you know this what I mean? guy? He likes books. I know it, That's what I'm he guessing. Cer- he certainly does. What makes me love you despite the reservations? What do I see in your eyes besides my reflection hanging high? Are you off somewhere reciting incantations, simcelebim on your tongue, carving off the hair of someone's young? Sounds like he feels like he's under the spell of somebody, mm. and he's trying to uh, figure out how to get out. Remember when you cut when you had me cut your hair? Call me Delilah, then I wouldn't care. Wow. I don't know, man. Uh, that's that's all I can take from it. He's like kind of telling a story, and then at the end, he's like, okay, this is what I'm trying to figure mm. out. What makes me love you? What do I actually see in your eyes? But in a very uh, mystical, untamed, wild, yet very highly educated way. Wow. Those, those are nice lyrics. I don't. I can't hear them at all when I'm hearing yeah, them. Yeah. When I'm hearing the song. Yeah. When I'm hearing the. But it's like that for me for like every band. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like whenever like people ask me about Fleet Foxes, never heard of them. I I'm like, you know what? Like they're they're a folk band, but they're kind of like. You know, I know you guys are both huge Pink Floyd fans, but like I always said, they're like the Pink Floyd of the folk Pink Floyd music. of folk music because like. Huh. Because they're so progressive in like the sense of like prog rock, you know what I mean? Like, like the chords, folk. the chords that they yeah. use, the 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 fact that they're not always like 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And even if they are that... Right, the structure of a lot of their songs really spreads out and, yeah, t- takes its time, has, has crazy transitions. Yeah. Especially you know? in the next yeah. album, too. They're trippy. Like, it's not... A, like you said, it's not a band I can just, like, yeah. throw on and just, like, jam out and, like, do the dishes to. It's, a, it's like, yeah. it's really something you got to sit down and actually, like, focus on and be like, what is this person trying to tell me? What am I actually experiencing in, this, in the presence of this wall of sound? It's psychedelic prog folk rock. Yeah. I listen to a lot of the music I listen to while doing dishes, but uh, in this case, I got to enjoy it while uh, on a little car trip. So I got to hear this in the car, which I think is a much better oh, space. Oh, that's for cool. Where were you going? Yes. Definitely. Just uh, errands, but, you know, that were far away, so you get to fit in a whole album's length of, of tunes in the process. And I'm sure, dude, this band out in Western Mass, it must be, like, glory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that must be really nice, dude. Old farms Driving and rolling hills and yeah no yes. like I said Leverett is the ideal uh, location I mean next yeah. to the Pacific Northwest for this kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah I quite like Battery Kinsey that might be one of my favorites I love the energy in that song it feels really urgent and the 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 imagery is very creative to me Do you make up any any of the words? Do you make up any of the words when you listen to it, or you just like love I this, woke up a dying man without a chance. Mm-hmm. I, I bits and pieces all the way home. But it's yes. it it seems to, like a song like that. I feel, and again, this could be totally off base, but I feel like it's a little bit more moment by moment imagery and like the way a Bob Dylan song would kind of unfold where there's not you don't really feel the need to try to literally piece it all together at the end cuz mm-hmm. it kind of it doesn't really work that way it's too impressionistic so you can just co- go kind of bit by bit and admire how uh like the thematic concepts or where the lyrics do just can match up with the the grandiosity of the of the sonics yeah. in a fun way um it's it doesn't feel like i'm missing something as much i guess mm and I'm trying to like look up like that's the thing like sometimes it's like okay I can like read the lyrics and understand the lyrics but no why did you call it that yeah <laughs> you know like that I'm I'm not really uh yeah that picking up on it's it's uh yeah I I can't I'm I'm a certain kind of listener uh like Dan's uh hinted at I'm not so much lyrically minded a lot um, honestly, a lot of the time I tend to gravitate towards music where I don't like have to look up the references that they're making or the, like the definitions of words mm. I'm not familiar with. Like I, I don't end up doing like a lot of research on yeah, to, sure. in order to feel like I can get a song, which I feel like I have to do a little bit with them. And for some yeah, people, that might be do. like their jam, and they love to do that and, and look for clues yeah, and decipher. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a little harder for me. I'm not really that. And like the lyrics that I'll choose to write as Niagara Moon, it's like I never really kind of go that direction. So it's mm-hmm. uh, that's I don't I wouldn't even say I dislike it, but it's one thing I'm not as used to very much when I'm uh, you know really trying to. Um, wrap myself up in one of these Fleet Foxes albums. I really wonder, you know, what comes first for him. And I know that the answer is probably like, it depends, which is usually this answer for most musicians. Most people, yeah. Um, who also, yeah, but like, what comes, you know, I wonder, does he sit down and write a poem and then 
puts it to music or is this a music con- I, you know I always wonder like especially with artists like this where the words are not very direct you know yeah i guess like for me my most direct lyrically songs when i'm writing are like when the lyrics usually come to me in like the moment yep yep you know you, like, you sing I, them I like you the way sing that... the melody and the words appear almost at least exactly yeah. yeah if i have to go back and like really craft out a, a, a verse or a chorus then that, i feel like that's when i get a little more like this because i am one of those people who does like to do that sort of research sometimes. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, man. But it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's crazy too, because the flow and the, the meter, whatever you call it, of, of him singing these words, it's not forced for a second. It leaves all this room for beautiful harmony that's just super tightly constructed. And uh, the, the melody is just allowed to go wherever it needs. So it's like the fact he can pair that with lyrics that as you read them by themselves are so uh, detailed and organized and specific and um, mm-hmm. m- mysterious. It's, I don't know, I, I would never be able to do that as a writer myself. That is very, very impressive. Mm. I really like his ear for melody. Ugh, it's so unique. So who is like the brains besides him? Like, is it a band or is it a project? Oh, it's, it's definitely it's a is definitely it a, a band. It's a band. I know yeah. that um, Skyler Skelset. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Skelset. Um, do they pronounce? I, the don't, I have no idea. Uh, That's a very oh, difficult okay. name. <laughs> it's just led Sounds by Slavic. Robin. Yeah, I think that. And he writes all the songs. I think he writes like all the. Uh, the the lyrics and but I know that Skyler and Casey Westcott mm. the two of them are huge on the actual uh, arrangement. arrangement. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to believe it's a big group effort for it to get that. And I think epic. Those three have been like core members of the band um, the entire time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Robin, Skyler. Oh, Skyler's been there the and, whole time. And Casey. And Casey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's like a cool chart where you can see how involved people were. And then Morgan Henderson has been involved since like 2010, 2011. He's been there ever since. And then Christian Wargo has been there since 2007, it looks like, and has been there ever since. Um, I think Christian's the one who does all the uh, like flutes and the the woodwinds and everything. Ugh, love I was really blown away that that they actually pulled that off live. Yeah, like this yeah. is one of those they bands that live. you listen. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, it was just one guy, you know, and he would would he would either play like the tambourine or he had his flute out or he had like a clarinet. Um, he had like another yeah, like it was unique phenomenal like whistle flute um, wooden instrument. Uh, I don't think it was a recorder, but yeah, uh, you know, it's one of those questions are they as good live as they are and it's like yes and and they wow. i mean granted we we saw them when they were supporting crack up which is the um following album yeah. after helplessness blues mm-hmm. and you know they they obviously have a lot more clout they probably have a little bit more financing and and whatnot yeah, yeah. on their live show than they probably did when they were playing you know when they first came out right right but nonetheless man i mean they they like every sound that you hear on the album they create live and it's yeah. it's such a cool experience have you heard crack up thomas uh just a little bit like i said i i've it's so gave progressive. the other albums a bit of a chance not as much as i could 
Uh, I'm not going to say I'm familiar with them at all, but the, my just my impressions were, ah, yeah, it's just kind of floating around. I want to go back to Helplessness Blues. That's just that's just me. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't uh, well, prescribe that for any other listener. But crack up is is an actual uh, um, thematic. What am I saying this right? A theme album, thematic concept. A concept, thank concept. You, a concept album. Um, and it's like it, it's almost like one big song. If you mm. listen to that crack up start to finish, it's it's almost like it never actually leaves the same. Sounds song. like prog to me. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And yeah. then their most recent one, Shoreline, they went back to like Helplessness Blues and uh, self-titled album, where it was more like song, shorter, song, shorter song, yeah. song yeah. not like one big or like symphony, cinematic. Yeah, yeah, but if there's a band that could get away with it, I mean, I wouldn't discredit Fleet Foxes. I'm I'm reading just the list of instruments that they had for Helplessness Blues. I'm this is nuts. Yeah. Mandolin, hammer, nuts. dulcimer, harmonium, uh, you know, Moog synth, lever harp, uh, water yep. harp, uh, marxophone, krumar bass, Tibetan singing bowls, wow. harpsichord. This is yeah. insane Pump that they can put organ. all to just call them a folk band is would not really encapsulate everything this band does jesus the exactly. the amount of exploration there so now now that you uh, uh, do you think my pink floyd of of the folk genre does that does that still stand oh, i mean i was there with you already i think you're on yeah? something oh, there. okay cool yeah prog okay, folk cool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah prog folk it's like progressive psychedelic folk rock Wow, no, they're they're one of a kind. The more I'm, I'm really uh, paying attention here. Helplessness blues is so beautiful. The song, the song, yeah, yeah. like the harmonies. And dude, I also read that he did these vocals in one take. He wanted he wanted to do it. He wanted to one, do it Van Morrison style. Yeah, he said Astro Weeks is like his favorite album because it sounds like there were only six hours in the universe yep. to make it. Very apt. That that made a lot of wow. sense. He loves that sound yeah. and that like kind of vibe. Raw. He really does. Now or never. I mean, that's amazing vocal performance for the first take for an yeah. only take. What? Yeah. So I got two questions for you. What is Helplessness Blues, and why is the album called that? Oh boy. I um, I I'm at at a surface glance. I'm feeling like it's it's a way of saying depression, or yeah, yeah feelings yeah, that's what I say. are Just, only you know they. They feel like your best way of coping with the harsh reality of of life, but really it's not gonna you know they're not gonna it's not gonna help you either. It's like something to overcome. So yeah. I like you know yeah. clinical depression or even just you know yeah. It sounds a like depressed day. blues. It sounds like extra blues. Helplessness blues sounds like depression blues. Yeah, I, I would say that that's a pretty um, spot on. Uh, for what what he's talking about, and then why is it the name of the album? I think probably from the research and uh, what we've all been kind of like talking about is just the anxiety that he was experiencing at the time mm. of the making of this album. You know, um, and it just seems like he was facing a lot of those like big life questions. And you know, I mean, I've been there, and. Uh, absolutely like it's help you you are helpless like the more you think the more you look for that that truth in in these concepts uh about life you know the more helpless you feel because you realize that at least for me uh i realize you know how like meaningless and 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 fleeting life is and 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 one life is that is uh and how little power you might be able to have 
Yeah. To, to, ch- to change stuff. Yeah. And especially if he was feeling like he was, you know, he's losing his girlfriend, his, his one of his bandmates, like, was uh, a huge part of this project, but also, like, he was losing him. And, you know, he they were losing shows because of his drug abuse on tour, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, all that happened after the song had been already recorded right, and right. released and everything. But, you know, I think all of that just adds up. And I think uh, in terms of the music, I think the song itself is the one of the more uh, commercial, commercially viable uh, on the album. I don't think it is the most, but I think it's just one of the most. Um, one of the just, most inviting. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. High energy, you know, in that song. You know, it's it's very like he's really calling out, like especially in that like. And I know, I know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think my my uh, Hui means uh, my girlfriend Hui means exact words were what is this a car commercial? <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, she enjoyed it too, but she'll she'll make comments like that, like uh, this feels like it's in a commercial. Literally, uh, that that tune she Helpless. she said, "Helpless yeah, Blues." Yeah, that's in Helpless Blues. Yeah, that part. It certainly, if you just sit back and listen to it, it is. It sounds super happy. It's like, let's buy this car. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Hyundai. But no, 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 Subaru. It would be a Subaru, not a Hyundai. Subaru, Subaru, Subaru Outback. Subaru, Subaru, everybody <laughs> wants a Subaru. There it is, man. Oh man, what is it? What's the line where he says "Help us, this blues" in it? Uh, I will find it. If I know only one thing, it's that everything that I see of the world outside is so inconceivable. Often, I barely can speak. Yeah, I'm tongue-tied and dizzy, and I can't keep it to myself. What good is it to sing helplessness blues? Why mm. should I wait for anyone else? And I know, I know you will keep me on the shelf. I'll come back to you someday, soon myself. That's it. Oh, that's, that's like nice. the thesis statement of this album almost. Boom! That's yes. So nice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. So I, I think we're we're coming up towards uh the end here i'm sure there's like so much more we we could have dug into of course we're only yeah. scratching the surface of a lot of this um so I'm, I'm curious to hear if you guys had uh final thoughts or like um you know some some lingering questions you really wanted to tackle i wonder like you know big big uh, other big flea foxes fans if they all think that helplessness blues is like their most like solid album their most you know cohesive yeah. the, the strongest uh, i don't i don't think there's such uniformity i think if you're a i would guess if you're really a fan of this band you just go for it all or maybe people have nostalgia about the first album or i don't know it, it doesn't seem like one of those bands where there's like oh that one was the best clearly although fans will argue mm-hmm. but no it's i i don't see that kind of debate going kinda on like pink so floyd kind of like pink floyd's albums in the 70s yeah i don't see that going on quite so much with this band but i'm maybe i'm just not in those circles that would be interesting though to talk to someone who Who's the biggest Fleet Foxes fan you know? Uh, probably me. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't have a lot of, like, friends who are big into Fleet Foxes. Not even, like, here in New York, you know? Um, 
Their uh, their They're music I, I use a lot They're for emotional preparation in my acting, but like no one that I went to school with knows them, so I, I don't really have any big Fleet yeah, Fox friends. I really friends. can't think of any of them. Yeah, but it would be interesting to talk to someone who is a diehard fan. You know, like if we were talking about Tool, I would be that person. <laughs> but you know, who's the equivalent of of that for for Fleet Foxes? Gotcha. If any of you listening out there are, please comment and uh, let us know what we're missing. Oh, they'll let, let you know, know, all right. In the comments below. Uh, <laughs> so, But let us know without internet. Send us a postcard. <laughs> send us a postcard, yes. Uh, so in closing, how would you guys, uh, three words, how would you summarize this album? Majestic, mountainous, and spiritual. I like it. Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> and I'll go with uh, okay t- took all the good words yeah. bro I took all the good words I'll, t- I'll take uh, <laughs> forest solitude searching um I'll take flannel lumberjack and the hipster <laughs> no I'm just kidding Subaru I'm gonna say uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say uh Deep, holy, and personal. Mm-hmm. Mm. All righty. I'll say those three words. So, yeah, th- thanks for suggesting the Foxes. This was a treat to revisit this album in earnest this week. I definitely want to even go back again and try to dig into it deeper. Uh, but if I also wanted to check out what Ian and Dan are doing, uh, how, how do you guys, uh, what, what do you guys want to plug? What, what kind of stuff do you do when you're doing it? What do you want to point people towards? Uh, well, we do a, a weekly live stream, um, Wednesdays, hashtag hump day happy hour, uh, from six to 7 PM Eastern standard time, uh, on our Instagrams and Facebook pages. Just Ian Dan music. Yep. That's our Instagram tag. Um, if you look that up on Facebook, it, it ends up coming up Ian Dan Live Entertainment, but you, you can find us. Uh, so we do that every week. Dan is releasing uh, a song next month, and his goal is to have a. a so this is for uh, Dan Barracuda, his solo music. Oh, you had um, a new single coming since up. We've lived. I got a single coming up. I haven't. I haven't like launched it yet, like on CD Baby and stuff. But I'm like, I'm finishing it up right now. Oh. And he should be having a song out every month. That's the goal. Yeah, I'm trying to do like every. This is time sensitive because this is like a Valentine's song, uh, so I want to release it on February twelfth. Okay, okay. February twelfth is when I want to release it. It's that it's that Friday, a couple of days before Valentine's Day. But it's not Paul McCartney Valentine's Day. It's more like George Harrison, John Lennon Valentine's. Oh, Day. and yeah. so this is Valentine's Day, and what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? You made a fool yeah. of everyone. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> alright folks this was a treat I'm gonna Yo. go make lunch now but yes. thank you so much for coming on today glad to have you Dan and lovely meeting you yeah, Ian man. lovely meeting you too Thomas thanks so much for having me on here and thank you Dan for inviting me and having me talk about a beautiful album this was, this was a lot of fun beautiful album my jealousy is now officially 100% subdued and I can build <laughs> nice. it up uh, for another 9-10 months until I come on again <laughs> Hell yeah! We did it! it. Alright, so we've reached the end. I hope you enjoyed listening to us goofballs. 
Uh, I'm glad I got to finally meet Ian. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I truly do. If you want to support the podcast in any kind of, you know, just quick, easy way, go ahead and leave us a rating or write a nice little review on your platform of choice. And um, if you are really enjoying Niagara Moon and you're like, hey, I want, I just, I want more. I want like the most and I want to support the guy in the process. That's what my new uh, Patreon is for. You go to patreon.com slash Niagara Moon Music. Oh my God, there's so much stuff on there. So uh, check it out for yourself. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. I hope you all are hanging in there okay. Uh, I, I hope it's a peaceful week for all of us. And we're going to be back next Wednesday. And I do not know what album we're talking about yet, but we'll have decided by then. All right. See you later. Bye-bye.